0: Additive manufacturing, with advancement in both technology and material capabilities, is allowing organizations in various sectors to push boundaries on how they manufacture, whether it's supporting localization of components, rethinking supply chains, creating new production processes, or improving productivity on existing processes. On this episode of AM Infocast, we connect with Dilip Menizis, Managing Director, India, 3D Systems where we discuss the specific impact additive manufacturing can make in the aerospace, defense, jewelry, vacuum casting, and injection molding industry in India. Tune in as we discuss key takeaways for organizations looking to explore additive manufacturing as a production process. Welcome to AM Infocast. Uh, again, Dilip, great to have you here uh, on this episode. Great to uh, you know continue our engagement. If you remember, you were the first guest on our podcast when we started it
1: yes yes thanks for having me again
0: yeah so you know we've had a few couple of conversations with sam and you know shell from 3d systems and we've discussed about various aspects of you know productivity and performance with additive manufacturing uh, looking at from the material side of it and you know looking at the technology side of it so you know in the indian context you know there is a big push from the aerospace and defense sectors to localize components and have more control over the supply chain. What role do you see here that additive manufacturing in general can play and you know what 3D systems, how does it fit here?
1: Yeah, so I see a very large role for AM in this space. So I've been traveling around the country extensively, meeting different arms of the defense forces. And I'm seeing their problems uh, you know, firsthand. The Air Force, like the Navy, the, the Army. The one big pain point that they face is uh, the supply of parts which are basically outdated. So the suppliers have basically closed shop. Most of them are from the Australia USSR, Uh, there was a lot of uh, our defense stuff used to come from there. We still run some very old platforms. And so getting these spare parts is a huge problem. We have a situation now in India, wherein we have uh, aircrafts which can't fly because they are being scavenged for parts. And that's a very bad situation. So one option is to use metal printing to actually print those parts, which is what the Air Force and the Army and Navy have been trying. But the other um, other kind of solution that uh, we as a three systems bring to the table is our ability to print in wax. So this takes things, uh, so this uses a different approach. Instead of printing the part in say metal, which can be done, we can actually print a pattern in wax and then cast it. So um, things like brackets, uh, you know, forged parts and stuff like that, that can be used, AM can be used there as well. So we are introducing this idea to, to the armed forces, and they are uh, they are quite interested in it. On our side, we are trying to make our products a little bit more uh, more productive. So we recently launched uh, the dual lasers on our uh, flagship gmp Flex 3D platform. So that that will increase the productivity. So we are doing our bit, but the challenge that we face or I face as I as I go across. Is explaining the capabilities of this technology to the people who are very much new to it. And but the thing that I see is that they are quite receptive to new ideas now, and they are and they are willing to change. The other thing that I have also noticed is that they are very much open to work with private parties because they also understand that the way the government moves is very slow. So we are trying to be the you know the middleman is us to try and enable the, the corporates to get into into defense production using our technologies while at the same time working with the government to try and um, gain acceptability.
0: Yeah, that's great. and you know that's a good way to look at indigenization te- technology with using additive manufacturing. And using the, you know, technology to the right, you know, application, that's that's a great uh, activity. You know, and, and on a similar lines, jewellery has been a very, you know, large adopter of additive manufacturing in India. And it's it's a mature market in that sense. So, what trends do you see there for improving productivity and performance?
1: Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, one of the first industries to adopt AM at that time it was called rapid prototyping, in India, uh, was, of course, the automotive market. But then slowly, uh, we also introduced the concept of jewelry market and uh, they have now completely standardized on it. So basically, there are two ways uh, to use uh, AM in, in the side of the business. One is to you know, print, 3 steady print a master pattern. And uh, that is, uh, then that pattern is used to make a mold, a silicon mold. And then you inject, inject wax into it. Then you use the wax to cast the gold. The other thing that we bring to the table is we can now print in wax. We can print very fine details also in wax. So what jewelers are now trying to do is they are trying to do away with the old workflow of making the master pattern. Because as you can imagine, uh, making the master pattern involves a lot of work, a lot of manpower. There is scope for error. There is scope for rework. And so now the the change that we are seeing, the trend that we are seeing is that they are trying to move away from the master pattern kind of workflow into direct printing of wax patterns, which are then directly casted. So what we do is we get the jewelers just one step before the casting. Otherwise we used to get them two, three steps earlier and then they had to use the pattern to cut the mold, make the mold, cut it, inject wax and, and then cast. So we have, we have basically shortened that entire, entire workflow. We've, we've jumped two, three steps and come to a point wherein we are just one step ahead of the casting process. So this has been accepted widely in India and also other geographies. But the, the, but the new thing that we are, we are experiencing now is that when you print in wax, there was a chance that uh, some very fine detailed you know, patterns like they call it the jali, Kind of a design, like a net. Those are very fine, and the wax prints normally used to not be very durable, so they used to break uh, not in, in the casting process but in the handling process. So what we did is we took that feedback, we gave it to, to, uh, to scientists and engineers, and asked them to build a more durable wax, and we just launched that, and it's being accepted uh, very very well. So now this changes the game a little bit more. So the jewelry market was already accepting the fact of not going the master pattern way, direct printing in wax. But in some of the cases, they used to, they were forced to use the master pattern way because the wax parts they used to break. But now that problem also we are solving in a big way. So we just launched the material, and uh, we expect that it, uh, we actually expect a big uptake in it. So that's the big change that we are seeing in jewelry.
0: Yeah, uh, that's really interesting, Dilip, that, uh, you know, we are looking at a further, you know, upgradation of the jewelry market with additive manufacturing and further looking at optimizing the process. Uh, That's that's a great direction we are taking. You know, and earlier in our podcast uh, with Sam, we heard about, you know, materials which are enabling production applications. And on a specific note, how can the conventional manufacturing companies using vacuum casting and injection molding benefit uh, from this?
1: Yeah, so our Figure 4 technology, which is uh, where we started to launch these, uh, these production-grade resins, uh, is really changing the game. Here. So just to give your listeners a bit of a context, so 3D printing technologies like Figure 4 and SLA, which use the resins. main drawback for that is that um, when these resins are cured by UV light in the printer, uh, they also tend to absorb ambient UV light from the atmosphere over time. So so the curing you know, process kind of continues. And over the over weeks, and the months, these parts tend to uh, break and uh, turn a little bit brittle. Sometimes they also get disfigured, which is why the whole thing was called rapid prototyping, because it was only good for prototypes. You can't really make end use parts when we had resin as, as the raw material. But what we have done is that we have engineered our resins in such a way that they offer long-term environmental stability. By that, I mean years of indoor and outdoor use. So what you can do is you can basically use a 3D printed part, just like how you would use a plastic induction molded part. And uh, we have extensive you know, test data to, to prove our results, uh, so much so that in, in fact, some parts in the figure for printer are actually 3d printed by the figure for printer itself it means that these parts are going to be in the printer for years and they will work fine uh, so this brings the, up the possibility of looking at uh, you know 3d printing from the true additive manufacturing kind of a way So earlier, a few years back, when people started to change or start using the word additive manufacturing, they were, uh, it was more of a forward looking statement. So they were trying to make the case that, you know, we can use this for manufacturing in the future. And there were some current applications wherein it was used for manufacturing. But now it's come to a point wherein the per part cost. And the long term environmental stability, both these things have meshed very nicely such that you can actually give competition to vacuum casting for sure. And in some cases, when the quantity is uh, on the lower side, uh, like a printer like a figure four can give competition to even injection molding. So we can print thousands of parts a month using the figure four. So this has changed the game drastically. And in the figure four portfolio of materials, we have a wide range of materials. We have rigid plastics. We have uh, rubbers. We have plastic plastic materials. We have biocompatible materials. I mean, we have started to print surgical guides using the figure four and put them inside a patient for the duration of the operation. So these are uh, perfectly... Biocompatible, uh, which also means that uh, you can make parts which uh, come in in contact with the human skin, like handles and stuff like that. So, so the possibilities have, have not really changed. And as I travel around the country and I speak to customers, uh, they their eyes, you know, really light up because now they can uh, come up to a point wherein they say, you know, there's no need to make a mold because the mold itself costs. You no, know, lakhs of rupees, it takes weeks to, to make any, and if you have a small change in the design, the mold is completely a waste. You have to make a new mold here with the printer, you can just, you know, like print parts immediately. And if there's a change in design, you just send a new file to the printer and then your job is done. So there are lots of advantages to this, but we are still innovating. And uh, one step ahead that we are going is we are taking some of the knowledge that we have on on our figure four resins and putting that onto our SLA platform. Now, one kind of complaint that we have uh, heard from our customers is that the platform of the figure four I and mean, the build volume is a little small. So pe- people want to uh, print end use parts, but they want to print larger size parts, and uh, we have SLA. As a as a technology which has got a quite a big uh, build volume, so we just recently launched a new material on the for SLA printers called uh, AMX Rigid Black. That is the new resin that has got long term environmental stability, just like some of our figure four resins. Which means that now you can actually print large parts, large size parts, which are end use. So to give an example, say if you needed just uh, Uh, say 20 large parts and you would have to cut a mold for that. That would take your, you know, entire budget to go into many lakhs. But here now you can just print the 20 parts that you want. And the nice thing about our technology now is that it's improved so nicely and so much that the surface finish is as good as the injection molded part. So earlier we used to, I mean, when you used to look at a three-printed part, you could see the build lines, and you could know how the part was oriented based on the uh, based on the direction of those build lines. That is not there anymore. I have handed uh, parts coming out from from the figure four to people who have been in the injection molding, you know, business for decades, and I've. Uh, Shown it to them and they think that it's actually it's actually injection molded. And the first uh, the first question they ask me is when I tell them that you know this is actually a 3D printed part. They say, but I can't see any build lines. I said, and, and then I say, yes, we, that's how far the technology I can move forward. So so these are interesting days. There's, there's there's lots more that there's lots that we have done as a company, and there's a lot more that we plan to do as well. So we plan to really take the uh, M part of AM, that is additive manufacturing, to really the next level. This is not to say that AM is going to completely uh, you know, replace traditional manufacturing. That won't happen. But there's a place for both to coexist. And the key is in understanding which technology is good for what application and for what quantity. So that is where we spend most of our time educating our customers and showing them the possibilities. And uh, in some of the meetings, uh, I actually say, no, no, this is not good for you. And we start talking about other things. But in some other meetings, uh, I just have to run a few numbers, show a few parts, and the customers just get it. They completely understand. Their old views of what 3D printing was is, is completely changing now. And that is very nice uh, to see and experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. And and uh, you know, since we spoke last time, as I said, you know, last year when we started the podcast, I think things have changed a lot, and you know, mindset has changed a lot, and the thought process of you know the applications and the customers has also changed. So you know, what would your takeaway be for uh, you know organizations looking at uh, using additive manufacturing for production and not just for uh, prototyping applications?
1: Yeah. So. One thing which um, I often tell I I tell customers as I as I meet them is just relook at everything. I mean, just because something was made in a certain way by a certain kind of a company using a certain kind of a process, it doesn't mean that you have to do it the same way. Uh, the other thing which I you know tell them is look at the possibility of assembly assembly consolidation. Now that's a that, that's a concept that uh, customers find very hard to wrap their heads around. They uh, assume that just because uh, like a product is actually made up of four or five parts and that's assembled, that's the only way to actually design and actually make it. They, they find it hard at times to understand that, okay, it is made of four or five parts because the manufacturing process used to make that entire product had to be such that it is made up of four or five parts, but with the 3D printing, you have complete like design freedom. So you can, you know, maybe make all those four or five parts into just one part, or maybe just two parts, which changes the math completely. Because imagine making molds, I mean, four or five molds, and then adding the cost of all of that. But here, you just have say one printer, and uh, you just come up with a part. So the takeaways, you know, people listening to this podcast is that uh, look at a product um, and question everything. There there will be uh, chances that certain items in the product can be completely re-engineered. There will be a few chances wherein other items can be made in a different way. There might be things wherein you can do assembly consolidation. You can redesign. There are lots of options. And that is one way for you to, to stay ahead of your competition because your competition is already thinking about Everybody is looking at this and trying to find ways to do a bunch of things. You know, come up with a better product. Come up with a product faster. Not just wait for supply chains to you know, be built. And come up with a cheaper product. Come up with a more superior product. You know, like More strength. More efficiency. So all these things can be possible if you use the technology, right? My key takeaway, I would say that don't look at you know 3D printing as just a prototyping tool. I mean, it, it's a nice prototyping tool and it will always be used also as a prototyping tool. But now we've come to a stage wherein the technology has evolved, the materials have, have evolved, the speeds have evolved to a point wherein you can look at it as a, mass production
0: option. That's great, Dilip. I think some great points uh, shared for for organizations looking to dive in the world of additive manufacturing. And, you know, I think people will definitely have good takeaways from this. So thanks a lot, Dilip, for uh, joining us today. And we wish you a great success this
1: year. Yeah, thanks for having me. All the best to you as well.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of AM Infocast powered by 3D Systems. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, stay updated with the latest additive manufacturing updates on amchronicle.com.